Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Everyone say pursuit. Turn to your neighbor to your, to your left and tell them you're going to get everything back. Turn to the neighbor behind you and say get ready to get it back. And turn to your neighbor on your right and tell them not everyone's going to pr- appreciate you. Okay. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're wondering how that's going to work here, but trust me, I'm taking you somewhere this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 1. David and his men, his, he's taken 400 men that were in distress, discontent, and in debt, and he's turned them into mighty men. That 400 men has turned into 600 men, and they've turned into an army. And they were getting ready to go into battle, but on their return from this battle, as they're about to approach their homeland, they see smoke coming up from their city. And smoke coming up from a city was never a good thing. It was a sign of distress. And in 1 Samuel chapter 30, we pick up this story where David was already anointed king, but someone else was sitting on his throne. So I want you to know, some of you, God has anointed you for something that someone else is holding right now. Say it again, Pastor. That you have a promise that belongs to you even though you're not holding it yet. Let me try this side. Something's been promised to you, prophesied to you, but even though you don't have it, it's still yours. Verse 1 says, then it, then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on Negev in Ziglag and they had overthrown Ziglag and burnt it with fire. Now, no, notice verse 2. And they took captive women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone. Recognize that. Without killing. And that doesn't happen. When a band of raiders come in, someone usually dies. And he carried them off and they went their way. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to see very quickly as we just lay this foundation, based on the evidence, they had lost everything. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you felt like you lost everything? Ever felt like you lost all that you worked so hard to attain and now it's all gone? Based on the evidence, if they were to go CSI and they get there and they see all the smoke going up and they get there, see the ashes, based on that, everything is gone. All that was left was ashes. But I want to speak to you this morning. I want, I want to prophesy to some of you right now that your perception sometimes is worse than reality. You know that sometimes the worst enemy to your trials and to your storms in life is not the devil, but yourself. It's how you look at things and how you perceive things that somehow we allow our mind to play games with us to begin to speak that things are worse than they really are. 
and we begin to panic and we begin to freak out and we begin to go crazy and our mind ends up taking us to places that God never intended your spirit to go. Perception was worse than reality. He perceived that things were, were, were bad and I want you to understand, I want you to know how many of you know that life is difficult. Life is hard. Let me put it this way. Sometimes life sucks. Excuse my... But sometimes life is just terrible. But I need you to understand not everything that happens in life is God's will, nor was it God's doing. Drives me crazy when someone passes away and how we always try to comfort people by telling them, oh, it was God's will. God, God is planning a garden in heaven and he wanted that flower to put in here. God's not planning no garden in heaven. If God needs a garden, he could speak seeds into existence. He doesn't need to take someone off the face of the earth. Just the reality is sin brought death. And that was never God's will for us. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I need you to understand sometimes that life is difficult. We're going to go through some problems. When my daughter passed away from leukemia, it was a tough season that me and my family went through. I can't blame God for sickness. I can't blame God for something that we went through. But life is hard. You're going to go through some difficult times in life. And if you read through the life of David, anointed king, a man after God's own heart, heart. David went through some struggles. My friend, you're going to go through some struggles in life. The difference between the saved and the unsaved, those that love God and those that don't, there's only two kinds of people that have problems. Those that love God and those that don't. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Everyone has problems. The difference is, is that those that are committed to God have someone to run to during those dark times. See, life is difficult, but David, I want you to see what happens here. Just kind of, kind of backtracking this story. 600 men that he has with him in an army, they're coming back, and they've lost wives, children, possessions. They lost everything. And when they get to their, to their homes, each one of these men jump off their horses, run to their, to their homes to find ashes are the only thing left. And all of these men, now I want you to capture this, 600 men, these men were warriors. These men knew how to fight. They had been trained at the hand of a giant killer. David took these men, raised them up. He poured his life into them to show them how to become warriors, how to fight, how to rise up. David brought all these men and turned them into mighty men of valor. He turned them into warriors. David brings these men up. He shows them how to fight. And so these men, these men of, of valor come in and they begin to cry like babies. When you lose something, it hurts. When you've lost something, you've gone through some pain, you go through some battles. And the reality is they, they begin to blame David for their situation. They begin to blame David that they lost their wife, their children, their, their possessions. And they begin to look at David and they want to kill him. But the reality is that, no, notice this. Th this blows me away. How many have ever been in leadership before? How many have ever helped someone before? And you help someone out and all of a sudden the very person you helped out turns on you. 
It's like, what? They, they get mad at you. You're the one that helped. The Bible tells a story earlier on where 400 men gather around David, and the Bible says they have three conditions. They're broke. They're in debt. They're discontent. In other words, their spirits have been broken, and they're, they're, they're in distress. There's so much things going on in their life, they can't even stand. They don't even know how to walk because life has defeated them. David takes these men, these 3D men, these men that are in debt, these men that are in distress, these men that, 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 are, that are discontent. He takes these men, and he turns them into mighty men of valor. They hang out with him. David doesn't become like them. They become like him. See, I need to speak to some of y'all. Some of you are allowing the crowd to be determined who you are instead of you changing the crowd to be who you are. David changed these 400 men. He got them and he turned these men who were in debt. In other words, they had no money to pay their bills. They were broke. And now, after following David, these 400 men turned into 600 men. And now these 600 men have homes, they have wives, they have children, and they have possessions. They had nothing when they came to David. And now after the fire and after the, 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 the invasion, they have nothing left. And now they want to kill the very person is the one that was responsible for them to even have these things. Let, let me let you in on a little secret. No matter what you do for people, they will not be loyal. When they're mad, they'll let you know. Come on, somebody. Let's, let's be real here. I know we're in church, but let's be real, Okay. Oh, no, God loves them. God, God just protects them. God's with them. That's all right. That's all right. The pastor just love them. No, you're going to go through some times. The reality is everything they had was because of David. So I need you to recognize don't always expect loyalty. I get tripped out when people get mad when people aren't loyal. Even Jesus, the Bible talks about when, when people started getting excited that Jesus had, had done something, Jesus says he didn't, he didn't buy into what they did because he knew the nature of man's heart. Look what happens in verse, thir- verse 3 of chapter 30. Still with me? Well, I'm taking you somewhere. Thank you for the three of you that said amen. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength. Someone say no strength. Left in them to weep. They had, they had lost everything. And now these men, these mighty men come. They tear off their armor. They, they sit in the dirt, and they begin to pour ashes on their head to show on the outside how they felt on the inside. But I want you to understand something, that if they would have taken some time to look around, they saw ashes, but they didn't see any bodies. They were mourning something that was still alive. And I want you to know that some of you, instead of rising up and going after what you lost, you're mourning something that you think is dead, but in reality, it's still alive. Out of 600 men, the thing that bothers me, though, as a leader, what bothers me is this, 600 men that that lost something, all of them are sitting there, they're throwing ashes, they're crying, and they're mourning, and as they're sitting there, and as they're mourning, they're sitting in the dirt, they're just sitting there pouring ashes on their head, they're crying, as they're sitting there, they're looking at their burnt home, then they're looking at David, looking at their burnt home, looking at David, looking at their home, 
looking at David. And with every look, they're getting more angry. The sorrow is turning to rage. The mourning is turning into bitterness. Pastor Cat, what blows me away, not one of those 600 men took the time to go to David and say, hey, man, it's all right. Everything they had was because of him. And not one of those 600 men could get up and go to David because, you know what, let me let you in on a secret. David lost something too. He lost his wives and children. He lost his possessions as well. Everything that he loved was gone. He was going through a tough time. Let me let you in on something. Pastors and leaders go through tough times as well. You're not the only one that goes through struggles in life. We go through things, and there's we go through hurt, we go through pain. And yet, when we're in, involved in our own loss, we have a hard time seeing what the struggle of others is. Pretty quiet in here. Should I go on? Look at verse 6. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. David's sitting here now. He's, he's going through struggles of losing his wife, his kids. He's looking, and he has a heart for these men. He's the one that poured into these men. Do you realize that as a pastor, I see your family go through struggle. I see your marriage go through struggle. I see your kids battling. Do you know that we carry what you go through? We carry the struggle that you go through because we have to stand in the gap on behalf of you and your family because we're, we want the presence of God to show up in your life. You you don't carry those burdens alone. I want you to know you got a staff that carries that burden for you. And David's sitting there, and now the very people he's helped are talking about killing him. Talk about gratitude. Look what happens. For each of the people were embittered. Someone say embittered. Each one because his sons and his daughters. Now, how many would say they have a right to be upset? Something like it's unspiritual to say, yes, pastor. <laughs> they have a right to be, they've lost something, right? They've lost something important. They lost their wives or kids. They're upset. If they've been home, they could have defended their children. But now they're gone. And in the middle of all of this, they have a right to feel that way. Yet not one of these jokers comes to David's aid. Not one of them can stand up. Now they had a right to be upset. And you have a right at times for the things that you feel, but you know what? Don't be surprised when the very people that you lead are the ones that leave you all alone. Don't expect loyalty from people. Now, now, now listen, I'm not trying to, try, trying to step on the person that you're holding hands with right now, okay? <laughs> not trying to put that person down. I'm just telling you right now that when tough times, most people are focusing on getting through themselves. We're not concerned about other people. Concerned about my feelings. How I've, and they're getting ready to stone David. And that word embittered, check, take a look at this. That word embittered means this. That embittered means when an offense has gone from the head to the heart. Where how you offended me is no longer just in my head. It's reached my heart. And when it gets to my heart, you better watch it. 
When an offense gets from the head to the heart in a marriage, that's where divorce begins to take place. When the offense goes from the head to the heart at a job, that's where you quit the job and you walk away. When the offense goes from the head to the heart, where now it becomes personal. Come on, somebody. It gets personal. It's not just an argument. Now, now you're, you're, well, this is a principle of the matter. This, this, I'm not doing this because of this. I'm doing it for the principle. Because now it's got personal. When someone says, I'm doing it for the principle, it's because it's gotten personal. They literally got enraged with David. David is at his low point, man. He, this is the dude that killed Goliath. This is the dude that people were cheering on. Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. This is the one that was anointed king of Israel, the one that had killed the lion and the bear. This guy is the one that led the 600 to success. This individual is now at a low point in life. He's totally feeling like giving up, but then something happens in verse 6. Notice the last part of verse 6. But David strengthened, someone say strengthened, himself in the Lord his God. Oh, somebody, you got, you got to capture this. I, I, I want you to grab a hold of this because I've had to do this in my life, and I know you're going to at times as well. When you can't get a hold of a pastor, you can't get a hold of a friend, you can't find a loved one, you can't find a mom or dad, can't find that cousin, can't find the uncle, no one's around you, you're feeling down, you're in the dumps, and you're, you feel like giving up. When you can't find anyone else, and you're sitting there mourning, and you're crying, and you don't have another tear to cry, what do you do when you're at that point and there's no one there to help you when there's no one else to help you have to strengthen yourself can't wait for someone to come pat me on the back hey come on you can do this come on get up put that post that going through a tough time and no one, no one responds. <laughs> really, I got 3,000 friends and not one person is praying for you? <laughs> or when you do put it on there and you get that one person you know doesn't know God and they're saying praying for you? <laughs> who, are you who are you praying to? <laughs> I'm sorry. The Bible says he strengthened himself. And I need you to understand, there's going to come times in your life that you're going to have to strengthen yourself. That your husband's not going to do it. Your wife's not going to do it. Your pastor's not going to do it. Your friends aren't going to do it. You're going to have to, and that word means to grow, to grow strong, to be firm, resolute, strengthen yourself or to repair or to infuse. There's times you got to fix yourself. There's times that you got to resolve yourself. There's times that you got to get yourself to become firm. There are times in your life life over 300 times this word's used in the old in the old testament but what blows me away is the final uh description and this just caught me off guard it blew me away because i just started reading a book actually just finished the book by an author that i really love to read by the name of mark batterson he's the one that wrote wrote the book in a pit with the lion on a snowy day great book it's a book about you know take, taking life by the by the horns jumping in going after things he wrote this book called Play the Man, and I, start, I got it on audio, and I was listening to it. And I'd never heard that statement, Play the Man. And then this week, I'm studying about David and find out that that word strengthen or courage means to play the man. I had never heard that description before, play the man. And what that word means is that for you to rise up and be a man. Now, it's not gender specific, 
that God created all mankind to have dominion. God fashioned you in his image and in his design for one purpose, to have dominion, to control your environment. Don't let your environment control you. And he tells them, play the man. That statement became popular by a bishop by the name of Polycarp. Back in 155 AD, he was arrested by Caesar, uh, 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 Marcus Aurelius, and taken to Rome. He was being arrested in Asia Minor, and they went out because he was promoting Christ so much. The Roman soldiers go to pick him up. When, When Polycarp hears that they're on their way to get him, he makes his, uh, his, his, uh, arresters or arresting officers, he knows they're on their way. Instead of running, he makes them lunch. And if they come in, he brings them in and he feeds them. And because he fed them, what ends up happening, the soldiers say, you know what, you know, you've been nice to us. You know, any request of us? He goes, can I pray? And so they said, yeah. So he prayed for two hours. During that time of prayer, he leads most of those soldiers to Christ. Their lives are changed but they still bring him back to Rome. And they get him back to Rome, and it's there they tell him this, you just say these two words, we'll set you free. Because in the Roman government, there's only one God, it was Caesar. Christianity was coming against that king of Caesar. And yet, you know, it's a trip. Rome worked so hard to stamp out Christianity, but when you go to Rome today, there's crosses all over that place. Not because of martyrs or people that they killed, but because of Christ. The very religion they tried to stamp out became their national religion. That's amazing. Now, now let me take you. This guy, Polycarp, this bishop was literally trained under the hand of John the disciple. He attended the same church as John in Ephesus, who was pastored by a young man by the name of Timothy. You'll see a couple of books written to him in the Bible. And that guy, John, he wrote a couple as well. He walked with some dude you might have remembered, Jesus. And so he was trained, and this guy was so committed, and when they tried to get him to say Kaiser Kurios, which meant Caesar is Lord, he refused to say it, and he said this, you know what, your flames will only last a little while compared to my eternity with Christ. And as they got ready, to, as they brought him into the stadium, and they had already outlawed killing Christians at that time, they take him into the stadium, they have the stake there, they put the wood around him, and the soldier comes over with, with nails to nail him to the cross as they get ready to light him on fire, and he tells them this, no nails are needed, I'm not going anywhere. You don't need to nail me, I'm staying right here. So they didn't nail him. They start the fire, and when they start the fire, witnesses say that a wind blew into the stadium that blew around the base of the cross and the flames never touched him. And while he was standing there, he heard a voice from heaven tell him, Polycarp, play the man. In other words, strengthen yourself. Rise up with courage. Now, I wish I could tell you that after the flames didn't burn him, that he survived and everyone repented. One of the soldiers reached over the flames and stabbed him in the chest to make sure that he died. It said that his blood extinguished the flames. What am I telling you? Is that in our lives there comes a point that you have to play the man. 
that there's no one around you that's going to encourage you, no one else is going to strengthen you, that you have to come to a point in your life that you strengthen yourself. It says he strengthened himself in the Lord. If this isn't a pep talk, this is where you're calling upon the God of creation to lift you up. This isn't patting yourself on the back. You can do it. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not a psychosis kind of thing. You're a good guy. You're a good man. You can do this. It's not looking at the mirror and saying, I can do this. I can make this happen. This isn't a motivational speech. It's a transformational thing that you step into the presence of God and God infuses you with the strength that you didn't have on your own. See, I want you to see something. There are four things that we need. Omaha, if you would help me as we close this morning that I want to give you just practical principles. Number one, if you're going to play the man, you got to learn to encourage yourself. Do you realize that there's a voice in our head, psychologists say, that 93% of the time when the voice is spoken in our heads, it's negative. Telling you that you can't. Whenever you're up against a struggle, how many times do we usually hear something in our minds telling us, oh, you can't do this. Oh, there's no way. New job. I can't apply for that job. I'm not qualified. I can't do that job. You go out for a sport. I don't think I can, I don't think I can do this. Because the voice in your head is 93% of the time it's negative. That's why we have to learn to encourage ourselves. That's why we have to learn to encourage. Listen, you want to cry? That's all right. First service, I had the, the, the place was filled with people crying that had just gone through a loss. Several individuals had gone had lost something. I'm here to tell you, there's nothing wrong with crying. You cry all you want. You let the ashes flow. But when you're done crying, listen to me. When you're done crying. When you're done mourning, when you're done, when the, that point of crying and tears are flowing, when you get to that point, you got to. You got to get rid of the ashes. You got to dust yourself off and you got to get back up again. You got to encourage yourself like David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. David was speaking to his heart, speaking to his soul. You're going to bless God no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through. In the midst of this struggle, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I'm not going to get down. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to rise up because I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to keep going. You got to encourage yourself. When no one else will do it for you, encourage yourself. Secondly, you go straight to God. Look at 1 Samuel 37, 30 verse 7. David said to Abinathar the priest, the son of Elimelech, please bring me the ephod. And so Abinathar brought it to David, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Check out these questions. Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? So I want you to see, going back to the... David goes directly to God. You know, stop going to people that can't help you with your problems. Come on, folks. Stop telling Juanita, stop telling Betty, stop telling Hiram, stop telling all these people about your issues when they can't even help you with your issues. 
Go to someone that can help you get through your issue. Go to someone that's going to point you in the right direction. David went to the Lord. He had 600 men that wanted to kill him. Dusted himself off and said, bring me the ephod. Bring me the presence of God. I want to talk to God right now. I need the presence of God. You know what? When your friends get around you in that tough time, hey man, let's go party. Let's go get high. Let's get some, let's put some drinks down. Listen, I don't need you guys around me right now. I need the presence of God in the midst of this struggle. I don't need to hang out with you jokers. I need the presence of God to give me direction right now. You go through tough times getting the presence of God. Then he asks the right questions. Should I pursue them? Will I overtake them? See, listen carefully. Some things are taken from your life that you're supposed to go after. And there's some things that are taken from your life that you're supposed to let go. Some of you are chasing some things that were moved for your life for a reason. Some people that have been removed that need to get going. And you keep trying to run them down. David asks the question, should I go? Pursue the right thing. Look what he does. He, He says, shall I pursue them? Ask the right questions to God. Lastly, look what God tells him. Verse Verse 8, the last part of verse 8. And he said to him, pursue, for you will surely, come on somebody, pursue, for you will surely overtake them. And you will surely rescue some, a few, maybe one wife, maybe the kid you like, (laughs) couple cattle, couple sheep. You will surely rescue all. What have you lost? What's been taken from you? Your peace of mind, your finances, your hope, your dreams, your visions, your sobriety, the peace in your marriage, the peace in your home. What have you allowed the enemy? What's the enemy coming and stolen from you? After you get done mourning about it, get up. Seek God. Ask the right questions. And then do what David did in the first part of verse 9. So David went. Yeah, I'm going to go get him back. I'm going to go get him back. Someone took my stuff, I'm going to go get him back. Maybe tomorrow I'll go get it back. I really miss him a lot. I'll go get him back. Uh, today's a bad day. Maybe next week I'll go get it back. What's David do? Right there in that situation, ask God. He gets the answer and he acts on it. Many of us, you already know the solution to your problem. You're just not doing anything about it. All you have to do is get up and pursue. All you have to do is get up and fight. All you have to do is rise up and go after it. Listen, there's nothing wrong with crying. Nothing wrong with being being in that point of tears and, 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 and mourning. But once you're done with your crying, once you're done with your mourning, it's time to dust off and get up again. Time to move forward. Stand to your feet this morning. Amen.
Amen. Some of us have lost some things that they might not be physical. Just heads ba- head bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Some of you, you've lost. You've lost your peace of mind. Some of you have lost your confidence. Anytime you're asked to do something, you get scared and you begin to come up with reasons why you can't. Some of you have lost a relationship that you're still holding on to that you're believing for. Some of you have you've lost your, your, your hope. You've lost your faith. Some of you have lost your vision for life. You don't know where it went. Somewhere along the way it, it was taken and you just settled in life. That's not who God created you to be. You've been sitting there feeling sorry for yourself about what you lost. Blaming someone for what you lost. But I'm here to tell you today. It's time to dust yourself off. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Begin to ask God. Seek God directly. Ask the right questions and then pursue. What have you lost? What have you given up on right now? I need you to know that what you think is dead is still alive. That it's still there. That if you would get up and go after it, not only will you restore what you were supposed to have, but family members and others were supposed to have as well. Because others' blessings are depending on you. Right where you are right now. You're here and you've given up on something. You stopped pursuing and you recognize, God, I need to start pursuing again. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. You've given up on some dreams. You've given up on some hopes. This is just the way life is going to be. That's not the way it's still going to be. God has a plan for your life. God bless you. God bless you. Secondly, you're here right now and you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You've been feeling down, you've been feeling depressed, you've been feeling overwhelmed, but you need to start strengthening yourself. If that's you, lift your hand right now. i got to stop feeling sorry for myself, and I need to dust myself off. Yes, yes. Secondly, you got to run to God. It's time to run to God. It's time to go after God. Instead of running to the wrong people, it's time to run to God. If that's you, would you lift your hand as well? Yes, I need to run to God. Thirdly, ask the right questions, because there's some things you're not supposed to chase down. Are you chasing the wrong thing this morning? Are you asking God, God, am I supposed to be pursuing this? If that's you right where you are, would you lift your hand and say, God, I need to ask the right questions because maybe I'm running after the wrong thing right now, Pastor. Yes. And lastly, it's time to run. It's time to get after it. No more praying about it. It's time to get up and get after it. Stop talking about it. Do it. If that's you, lift your hand right now as well. Quickly, anyone that's lift your hand on any of those calls, as the worship team takes their place right now, we're going to open these altars and give you that opportunity right now to come and pursue God right now. Quickly, come on. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.